What's good, my lovely geek babies? It is me, Her Royal Majesty, Princess Weeks. And it is I, your king, Tazanetic. <laughs> Amazing. And you're listening to, I guess, the Royal Geek Podcast, <laughs> your one-stop shop for fandom convo, pop culture media, all the things that you love. And of course, two awesome broads talking about broad nerd shit. Yeah. Each week, we skim the surface of what's popular in geek culture, then deep dive into a Netflix world bigger than our own. Today's world is, well, more like worlds It's the land of literature. Ooh. I am so excited because I have two degrees in English, so... Princess, this is your time. <laughs> this is my time. We're talking about book adaptations. Yes, we're going to talk about Persuasion, The Gray Man. Like, Netflix is kind of known for their book adaptations. So all the boys I ever loved, yeah, it's a lot. (laughs) Yeah, there's so many. Like, Shadow and Bone, like, it goes on and on and on. And sometimes I'll even look something up on Netflix and I'll be like, is this from a book and then I'll look it up and it is. So you know what, Netflix, God bless, because I don't have enough time in my life to read all these books. And so at least I still get a part of the story. So I'm very excited to talk about this. But first, Princess, I got to know what has got you geeked this week? Well, I got a little bit of sand in my eye because I've been listening to the sleep cast with Neil Gaiman, and I believe that we have a little bit of a taste of that, that our lovely uh, producer is going to play for us, and we're going to react to and let you know what we think. Let's see. Oh, sleepy already. Hello. My name is Neil. Hi, Neil. I want to welcome you. To the Sandman Dreamcast. Dream, Lord Morpheus. He's here with us now. Just ahead. Do you see him? That tall, dark figure. Notice his jet black hair, his alabaster skin, and his long black robe. If you look closely, you might see flames flickering the hem. I really am going to fall asleep. Like, I know. <laughs> See how his eyes burn and shine. Not Tessa's king like right now. I know, this is not good. <laughs> I'm like, this is turning into something that's going to give me sex dreams about Morpheus. <laughs> for us. Always. He flickers his hand on her. <laughs> See his overly large hands coming towards you, stroking your skin. Cups you, yeah. Hot. Hmm. 
Well, now I'm tired and aroused. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Wow. Okay. That was a whole experience, and I love that. I'm going to definitely be listening to that before I go to bed, especially if Joe's not around. (laughs) Sorry, Joe. (laughs) Well, Well, the funny thing is that, like, I was listening to one of Neil Gaiman's, his Norse mythology audiobook. Mm. So his voice is very soothing. I've had to rewind and be like, oh, I... I both want to hear this, but I want to fall asleep to your voice. Oh, I love his voice. His voice is amazing. That that whole experience mm-hmm. was incredible. Because at first I was like, oh, this is like so magical. And it feels like I'm on this journey. And then Morpheus shows up and I'm like, stop describing how hot he is to me, okay? Yeah, you're like, you're like, you're like <laughs> tall, check, pale, check, not entirely good, check, check, check. Uh, it was, but hey, if this uh, sleep cast can help me lucid dream into uh, like meeting Morpheus and us going on adventures together, hell yeah, into it. All right, everyone. So because we are going to be talking in part about Sabrina, which is a spy action thriller, a.k.a. your dad's favorite thing, I decided to play a little game called Spy versus Spy. Old heads might know about this. So I am going to pick two characters and I'm going to ask my lovely companion, Miss Tessa, if she, who she thinks would win, and if she doesn't know who they are, I will give her a nice little pop culture media lesson. So for the first round, we have a basic one. We have James Bond, 007 himself, versus Mr. Jason Matt Damon Bourne. Okay, so James Bond, I know. Like, I, he's cool. I, I like him. I have no idea who Jason Bourne is. <laughs> Jason, ask your dad. Um, no, so Jason Bourne is, so the Bourne identity, does that mean anything to you? It sounds familiar and I've probably watched this. This is the problem. So Joe likes these movies and I've definitely watched these with him and he's going to listen to this and be like, Tessa, Joe's dying on the inside. It. He's like, you, you brought shame to the family, dishonor. But this is the, this is the problem. To me, all these spy things are the same. Like, I can't even sometimes, like, I'm like, is this Mission Impossible or James Bond or whatever? Because to me, I'm like, there's a man, and then and he gotta be a spy, and he's gotta be sneaky about it, and then he's gotta have his guns, and then there's, like, a hot lady in there, and then he's got, like, the, the cars, and, like, it, I, I, it's so hard for me. What's good about Jason Bourne that's better than Bond? Because to me, Bond is, like, the ultimate. Well, I don't think that I would vote for Bond, because I'm a Bond girl from from the cradle. My mom is a huge Bond fan. So to give you the, the skinny on Jason Bourne, so Jason Bourne is Matt Damon. Mm-hmm. This is his Mission Impossible. There was, I think, four movies. He was in three of them. Basically, he's playing as former CIA agent who, like, loses all his memories, assumes identity of Jason Bourne. So it's he's a CIA agent, but he doesn't know. And, like, the entire series oh. is him just, like, you finding out clues about his past while also running from the CIA and being Matt Damon. It's pretty good, but I would say not better than Bond. James Bond is the best. (laughs) I think the one thing that Jason Bourne might have to his advantage is that James Bond is a alcoholic and... uh, (laughs) And that, you know, if he's a little bit, if he's a little too shaken, not stirred, 
it can uh, it can get a little dangerous. But I would also root for James Bond. And again, to any of our listeners, let us know who you would pick to win in the ads. I almost said in the comments. Or in the comments. Jason Bourne is not on the same level as Bond. Like, I, listen, I'm a person that doesn't know spies, but I know who James Bond is. Like, I know 007. I know Charlie's Angels. I know, you know, I know a couple. And he's one of the ones I know. My second, my token woman spy versus spy is Black Widow, Natasha Romanoff yes, no versus Sydney Bristow from Alias. Did you ever watch Alias? No, I don't know who that is. Okay, so Alias, it was basically like every episode was like Captain America Civil War. We're mm. going to new countries, wearing a different wig. We're in, we're engaging, we're investigating, I do love a good we're wig. fighting. Yeah. Love that. So I'm going to say, because I know that you probably might be more familiar with Black Widow. Mm-hmm. I do. Do you like that character? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> I like Florence Pugh's character. What was her name? Well, there you go. So if you had to choose between Natasha or Yelena. Yelena! All day. Listen, there's no contest. Natasha is boring as hell. I never liked her. <laughs> she was boring. I didn't understand, like, all the drama, all the, like, she's like, oh, our baggage that we hold. I'm like, girl, just talk about it or don't. Like, I'm bored. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I don't have time for that. I mean, I agree. I feel like she was done so dirty that it's like, that I was so offended when she died, even though I cared so little. It was like, it was like, wow, this is sexist, but I also don't care. Well, I mean, compared to Jeremy Renner, it's like, I would want her to live as well. Princess, you forgot about Spy Kids. Oh, versus who? I just remember that Spy Kids was just such a huge movie in my childhood. Oh, I had the poster. Yes. I had the poster. I wanted to be Alexis, Alexa Vega. I was like, this is an icon. Those thumbs, that like haunted my nightmares. Oh, <laughs> oh wait, no, Kim Possible's not a spy. Yes, she is. It's Kim Possible. Hell okay, yeah. then it's like, okay, Kim Possible's a spy. Oh, I don't know. Like, is she like a hard. secret agent? She, yeah, I would say she's a spy. Okay. Because she's kind of like undercover a little bit. She can just do everything. She can. I'm always going to root for Kim Possible. Kim she Possible. Is... That's hard. That's a hard decision. Or wait, I forgot. No, totally spies. Oh, that as well. There's so many lady spies. You know what? We're just not thinking. We weren't thinking hard enough. We, you know, it's the gray man. We got mansplained. We got, we got put into a corner of masculinity and we forgot all of our female spy. You know what? They wouldn't even fight. They would just cause, That's they would true. just start a great agency with healthcare that recognizes trans rights and 100%. gives great maternity leave. Correct. And paternity leave. So we're just going to say all the lady spies are doing it for themselves and we're very proud of them. We love lady spies. So I think this will be a good way for us to kick off our combo here about adaptations. The reason why this movie was so good had absolutely nothing to do with, like, the plot. They'll have something they really wanted. Whatsoever. So it's like, it had nothing to do with the book that it was based on. Because, like, I didn't really care about the characters themselves that much. My ego's a little bruised. I didn't really care about the plot that much. Like, 
to me, most spy movies are the same. Like, I, I get confused about which plot is which. So what mattered the most to me was, like, the chemistry between the actors and the the shots, how they how they were seen and how the fights were choreographed and how just like the beautiful way that the music and the the noises, not even just like the music, but the sounds that were right. like used like during the fighting, during the things like it made me jump, like it gave me like reactions. So to me, that's all the Russos, like that's all mm-hmm. their stylized portrayal of this story. And them elevating it and making it so much better than any, like, anything that you can read because, like, there's only so much that a plot can give you and that's what's so Mm -hmm. beautiful about seeing something on screen, especially seeing something spy-related on a big screen. Like, that is the ultimate. So, to me... I feel like this is a good adaptation. There's no way that a book could even come close to this because you're getting the full experience and you're getting, like, the chemistry between humans, so. I think that's a great point because as someone who has read some spy novels, they can be very dry. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's very easy to sort of get lost in this is the most perfect skilled person of all time and da-da-da-da. Like, even I remember reading the James Bond books, and they're not bad per se, but they're just so repetitive. Mm. There's only so much of the same stuff you can do. And I think that with an action film, you're able to understand the scope of the mission more. Right. You're able to sort of like make certain connections. The character just is inherently more human because you get sort of like personalized by the actor. And I think that the best spy thriller movies are the one that like use star power and great action sequences yes. in tandem. And that's really the gray man. Like, It uses its stars really well. It uses all of its setting designs. And, like, the Russos know how to direct action. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's what they're good at. And it all really comes across. It's very interesting because I think, like, the genre... To me, like, spy thrillers and what we would call chick lit are two sides of the same coin. Like, it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. And I think in both cases, it really needs someone who really appreciates the genre to direct it. And I think that watching it, it's like... Oh, yeah. The Russos are nerds about spy thrillers. Right. And that totally comes across in this adaptation, which is why people like it. Because I think people outside of dads may not love to read spy thrillers, but I think people right. like just an action movie and just seeing sure. cool people kick ass. Yeah. That's what my mom is. She, my mom's raised me on Clint Eastwood and James Bond movies just for that reason alone. Ah, okay, so Princess, I let's let's move on to just talking about more book adaptations. Like to you, what mm-hmm. makes like a good book adaptation? Like what are you looking for in that? I mean, it really varies in a lot of ways, but I think the core thing is that they understand the themes of the novel. I don't mind changes. Changes need to happen. I just want the changes to be making it a better film experience and not making it a worse narrative experience. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. we both came out of the world of Harry Potter growing up. And so, like, to me, the reason why I love the third movie so much is, like, even though it's not exactly by the book, the changes just make for a very interesting, tight narrative. Mm -hmm. Because a book is supposed to be extraneous. It's supposed to have side quests and little things that you sort of can enjoy that are different. For a movie, 
You want it to feel more contained. And while that has lost us many a Quidditch match that I really didn't want to see, I respect when they make those changes. I just want to, I want every choice to make the movie watching experience better, not make me hate the book more, if that makes sense. Right. No, that that does make sense. Like, to me, I think something, if it can stand on its own as a TV show or a movie, like, if you don't have to have read the book in order Mm -hmm. for you to still enjoy it, like, that's sort of what I'm looking for. And then they bring in, like, a couple Easter eggs for, like, the super fans to enjoy, but it's not just, like, here's every detail of all of these. Like, it's too much most of the time. Mm -hmm. And then... A lot of times, like, if it's good, if I'm interested, like, and now I want more, like, it intrigues me, then I want to read the book. Like, that's the ultimate. That's, like, what I want from any book adaptation. It's like, oh, I, I watched this thing. I really liked it. Oh, shit, there's a book? Hell yeah, let's mm-hmm. read the book and see either like, Absolutely. you know, go into a deeper dive or see what the story is like in this way because I already kind of like it. I agree. And I think what's interesting, so as a time that we're recording, tomorrow the Netflix adaptation of Persuasion is coming out. And it's been interesting because when the the trailer was released, people were like, this doesn't seem like Persuasion. And as I was watching it, it definitely feels like it is a Bridget Jones type adaptation of the book. But that makes sense because I literally went to reread my copy of Persuasion. And the first thing it says in it, the annotated version is like, this is known to be one of Jane Austen's less humorous works. And it's like, you know, like people go to Jane Austen for her humor. People go mm-hmm. to Jane Austen for like the romance. And it's like, if those things are still intact, then it's okay to make it a little bit more breaking the fourth wall, talking to the audience, making it more engaging. Like they did it before with like the, uh, like an older version of Mansfield Park. And also part of the reason why Persuasion is so under adapted is because it is kind of dry. Mm-hmm. And that's it, it's not enjoyable, but it is kind of a dry book. So they're trying to like, keep to the themes, keep to the story, but like make it more engrossing for our audience, which is what Jane Austen was doing. Like a lot of times these classic authors were writing for their audience. Their audience just happened to exist a couple hundred years ago. And so I think when you're updating a book, especially like an older text to get on my little nerd brigade, it's like you should want to think if this author were writing this today, what would it be like? And I think that's what this adaptation really does well. Now I'm single and thriving. I spend my time drinking fine wines. Yeah, I... (laughs) So when it comes to, like, for example, like Little Women or like Pride and Prejudice, I like like the movies better. (laughs) I I like it better (laughs) than the book. So it's like sometimes I have certain opinions that a lot of nerds would, especially book nerds, would crucify me for. But sometimes to me, like, books can be too much. Like, sometimes Mm. it's too overwhelming. The freaking Lord of the Rings novels, the Game of Thrones novels, to me, those are too intense. So sometimes for me to have things streamlined a little bit more is so, so helpful because a lot of times, especially with these like intense, hardcore 
fantasy or sci-fi novels. It is dense. That shit is dense. And I'm like, this is, this is too much. I need help. <laughs> Actually, I want to like give Netflix props because they're pretty good at adapting books. I'm surprised at how good they are at it because I yeah. like, like for example, Shadow and Bone, like that was a book that mm-hmm. I tried to get into but just could not because, I don't know, I, I tried multiple times but then the show, like immediately, I was like, oh, I get it. I understand. Yeah. You're showing it to me and now like I can live in this world now because sometimes for me it's hard because of my lack of focus to get into the world. So if I see it, if I can, and I'll, also I'm a visual fucking person. So I'm a visual person. Yeah. If I can see it, I live it and then I'll go back and read it and then I'll be like, hell yeah. So yeah. God bless. Like, I got the visuals now. Mm-hmm. No, I'm the, I'm the same way. Like I, I knew the book series. I had read actually the Six for Crows one, but when I watched the show, I was like, okay, now I actually want to go and read yes. the book. And then I was like, oh, this is interesting. And like, that's one of the that. adaptations where I was like, I got really into both. I was like, yes. oh, this is an interesting choice. Yes. Like, this is a, the, I only actually had one issue with it. But like, other than that, I was like, oh, this is a really thoughtful adaptation. Like, right. even with the two, all the boys I've always loved, you know, they, they are really, they took that cute tone of it. They really found a way to like really bring this series to life in a fun, engaging way. And I'm really enjoying that. Like, I think of all the adaptations that they've done, there's only one I haven't liked so far, but everything else I've really enjoyed. I mean, Bridgerton is a good one. Like, that's what I mean. Oh, definitely improved. Yeah. Definitely improved. Like, I could go on and on. It's, it's, and those are my favorite when you just can enjoy both. When you Mm -hmm. really enjoy a show or really love a a movie and you love it so much that you want to, like, you're like, oh, I wish there was more. Like, that's literally why I read fan fiction because it's like, I love this world so much, I want to live in it more. So for me, if there's, like, a book series or something, I'm like, oh, this is beautiful, let's see. And then if it's good... I'm like, oh, God, this is the ultimate. It makes it just really fun. And I just, I'm very excited about the way in which that we get to consume multiple kinds of media. And because we're just getting overall better Mm -hmm. adaptations, because, like, it used to be hard up in these streets. I tell you what, like, Aragon... And I didn't even like those books, but if I did, I would have been very agita. Yeah. No, I agree. It's... It's only gotten better, I feel. And I think it's because the authors are involved a lot more. I feel like just because we, I mean, this can be a curse as well, but because they can also kind of see the public discourse on it a little bit, I feel like that can be helpful sometimes. I don't think that a show or a movie should ever fully, like, listen to the public over their own creative vision. That's never a Mm -hmm. good idea. But just sometimes in knowing what's most important to them can be helpful Mm -hmm. so that they know that they can hit that one specific thing. And then if they hit that, then they're good. Then they can play along with other things or change other things as long as they 
get the one thing right. So I think that's been helpful. Like, because Twilight happened, that's why Hunger Games happened. And that's why, like, you know, Netflix started adapting film. Like, this is the reason, because of the success of that YA book, like, you know, Mm -hmm. turned into a movie because it was so successful. Like, that's why we're getting more content like that, more book adaptations, because people want to see the stories in their head brought to life. And it's a beautiful thing. I mean, as someone who just, like, you know, the Witcher show on Netflix got me into the Witcher books because mm-hmm. I love the Witcher. I think I think it's great. To me, it's like this is epic fantasy. This is culture. So like I I love it. You know, Sandman graphic novels are books. I did a whole video about it on PBS. I just love it. And as and as someone who eventually wants to finish their book and have it adapted, I'm very glad for all these trailblazers for making room for. Me. I have a question, princess, for you. Yes, my love. So when you know, so if if you know that a certain adaptation is coming out and you haven't read that book yet, are you the type of person that wants to read it before you see it? Or would you rather see it and then if you like it, then read it? Mm, good question. Good question. I think that the lesson I have learned is to... Do the the show first mm-hmm. and have an opinion on that and then go back to the book. Like, I did that with Outlander. I did it with Game of Thrones. And sometimes it don't work out for the show. But I do think it's important to, for me at least, because I'm such a book person, mm. to at least give the the thing a fair shot. I have to, like, just watch it and then see how I feel about it. And then we'll see what happens. If it's, like, a classic, then it's kind of, like, or something that's been adapted a bunch of times, I'll read the book to see, like, oh, what's going to be different about that? But if it's, like, a thing I haven't done before, I'll be like, let's just, you know, give it a chance. Yeah, because I feel like a lot of times the problem that a lot of people do with reading it right before is because it's so fresh in their brain because they, like, try to read it right before it comes out. Then they, like— have such a specific thing that they want or such a specific thing that they're looking for. And then if the movie doesn't give them that, then it's almost like, okay, they better do this thing perfectly that I want. And then if they don't, then they're like, oh man, like this movie sucks. Whereas like if you go Mm -hmm. in and you watch the show or the movie and you're like, hey, that was pretty good. I'm always a let's watch the thing and then read it after because if the book is better, then I'm just happier all around. There's all there's yeah. good feelings. There's not like, oh, I love this thing. This better this better be as good as I hope it is. It better have this one specific thing that I really like because everyone likes different things. Exactly. And I also just think that like, you know yourself and mm. you know, like I know myself. So I know that if I go and I watch this whole thing and like I don't want to be disappointed that I should just like, you know, make a breath. Like I, but I also now I'm I'm grown and I no longer care which one people prefer. Mm. I will, I have grown. Cause I used to be, I used to be that person who'd be like, my the book is better. And even though six out of 10 times it is, sometimes really? I think most of the time for me, and that includes with manga that I've read, I've enjoyed the book more. See, I disagree. I usually like the movie better. And I think that's totally fine. And look at us. And we're both here. 
<laughs> Look at us. <laughs> I I mean, I like books and I enjoy them. I don't have enough time to read to get into the world that I uh that I want to be in. And so to me, a movie or a TV show just kind of like gives me all the good stuff, all the goods that I want. And um mm-hmm. and then I can add on to that, but sometimes I don't know. Okay, this is another question for you. Do you like world building better or do you like plot better? Like, what do you prefer? Because that's a huge Hmm. thing, too. For me, I'm a big character-driven person. Okay. Like, if I'm into the characters, I'll be—like, to me, Okay, it's interesting. I like well-done world building, but that, to me, doesn't translate to it needing to be long. Mm. You know, like, I love a long fantasy novel, but not just because it's long doesn't mean it's good. Mm -hmm. I really like character-driven stories. And I think, for me, I think the reason why sometimes, for me, the book ends up being better— is that a lot of times the books that I read especially have heroines who are very quiet mm, and don't have a lot uh, of like you need active personality traits. Got it. And so it's hard to adapt that. They ended up right. like, you know, like I think like I loved Sansa in Game of Thrones and like in the book you get to spend time in her head. That's a good And you point. can't do that on the show. And right. so like you get this, so like it, you get two different images of this character. And I find that on things that are that, that are like quieter or like more introspective, they tend to not be able to adapt that as well as I would like. Are you a person that likes adapting dialogue like exactly? Like if there's a certain scene in the book that or that you really like or that you remember, or if there's a specific scene and they do change it, like are you a person that really likes to see it word for word or do you kind of like to see something different? Well, you know, I I think uh, the perfect example. All right. So my favorite book of all time is A Little Princess. And my favorite movie of all time is also A Little Princess by Alfonso Cuaron. They are, the Alfonso Cuaron adaptation is like totally different from the book. Mm -hmm. Different location. The female character looks different. But it's also a perfect movie. It takes everything that I love about that book. And it's also its own thing. And I think because I saw that movie first, I I always loved it. Mm. And then I read the book and I love it for totally different reasons. And I think it's rare to have an adaptation that does it like that, you know, like Mm -hmm. that changes it to the, like The Shining. Like The Shining, the movie is so different from the book, but it's got its own great energy that it has. It's the core of the book. Right. It's very different. Even Who Dies is different. But the movie is excellent. It's like, to me, it's like, if you are giving me excellent filmography, if you're giving me like an elevated story that took the core of the book, but made it better for film, I totally can appreciate that and still love the book. I also think that some stories are better to told on film versus being told like as a book i would say like the hunger games books definitely better movies than books i like, agree the books are fine but i just they're so like boom 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 action pace 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 like they're to me like spy novels mm-hmm. like they're they're made to be observed that way i think most ya is really just writing to be a movie oh, or like a mini series like a teen mini series and that's fine I think for me, what it comes down to is that, like, I love both things. And, like, sometimes I just prefer one to the other. 
But I think they're both good. Mm-hmm. I think it just depends on who you are. Like, I think if you're someone who has, you know, ADHD, you can't focus, then, like, I'm not going to be like, but you have to read the book. You have I to. Try. Like, that's annoying. Yeah, it's like, if you try, you don't get into it, you're not into it. It's like, it's whatever. Like, I love to read. I still haven't finished reading the Lord of the Rings books. Also, books need to, like, up. They just need to be sexier. Books aren't sexy enough. You ain't reading the right books. I'm going to send you some things. I got some good romance novels. Okay, you better you better send me some good ones because, like, I am I'm bored by—that's the problem. I just get bored in books a lot because a lot of times it, mm-hmm. like, ramps up. It takes a while to ramp up. And I'm not even just talking about romance. I'm just talking about anything in general. Like, that's—a book can lose me pretty quickly if I'm not mm-hmm. it's sometimes better if I've seen something because then I can at least latch onto something or I know that something good is coming because mm-hmm. uh, so I can look forward to that when when reading or when listening because I do love audiobooks mm-hmm. but sometimes there's just a level of de- like it's hard because there's a level of detail that you're never gonna get like in a mm-hmm. movie or, or even like a mini series like you're never gonna get like all the details it's just impossible but then also with movies and tv shows you have a chance to elevate the story elevate mm-hmm. the characters make make it even better than it was or make it be seen in a new way or ha- have it be introduced to a new audience one of my favorite things and this is like this is one of my biggest beefs with the harry potter fandom is that a lot of them didn't treat fans that didn't read the books as, like, actual fans. It's like, oh, but you're not really Mm -hmm. a fan unless you read the books. And I was like, that is bullshit. I hate that. Like, if you you just, like, watched one Harry Potter, like, video, or if you just, like, played a little Harry Potter game on your phone and you want to be a Harry Potter fan, you can be a Harry Potter fan. That's Harry Potter. You like it. Like, you don't—I don't like all these rules that you have to do in Mm -hmm. order to be a certain fan. So it's like, if I love the Shadow and Bone series and I never—if I have never read the books and don't want to read the books, I should be able to be a fan. Like, I don't like the the gatekeeping. The gatekeeping. I hate it. I hate it so yeah, much. I've outgrown that. And I and I think that's the thing about book adaptations that I think can be so hard is because people feel precious about the material. And I think, like, for me, because I've talked about this before, like, the reason why I hated Twilight so much, besides, like, a logical reason, because there are valid reasons, but for me, my invalid reason was because I was the nerdy girl who was, like, walking around with my giant Anne Rice books and, like, reading all these Nosferatus and stuff. And everyone's like, wow, that's weird. And then all of a sudden, Vampires is sexy and all y'all reading this Twilight Twarkle thing. And I was sitting here, but, like... (laughs) But when I did it... But, Princess, you're still better than us. I think that's the thing that happens with adaptation is that, like, you become so precious about what it means for you, especially when it comes to, like, nerd stuff. I mean, that's why nerds gatekeep. Yeah. Because you felt like... This thing made me an other. And now you want to just enjoy this thing. And it's like, why do you get to enjoy it and to be mainstream when you enjoy it? But when I was enjoying it, I was getting called a dork. You know, like, it's one thing to be reading a giant Harry Potter novel in these streets. And it's another thing to be like, oh, I'm going to go watch hot Daniel Radcliffe um, and hot Emma Watson and hot Rupert Grant run around. You know, and I think that is an irrational response, but it is sort of the thing that I think makes we people should push feel past like that. Push we should. past those past. feelings. No more gatekeeping. 
No more. That's the great thing about getting older is that you realize none of this matters. What really matters is subscribing to the Geek Podcast. <laughs> God bless. <laughs> That's what really matters. But before we head out, one more thing. To honor what Tessa said, you are allowed to call yourself a fan of something once you have gone through the what I call the nerd hole, which is when you spend, it's when you go to look up one thing, and next thing you know, you've been there for way longer than you expected, and you have seven different tabs open because you're like, oh, what does that mean? Oh, what does that mean? Once you've done that, I think you can call yourself a fan of something. I think that's the only rule. <laughs> Hey, I love that. Okay, hey, about Gray Man, one more thing. Make Chris Evans evil more. I love it. He's yes. great at being evil. Every time he's been evil, I've laughed my ass off. I hate okay, this is this is a hot hot take. I hate him as Captain America. I absolutely hate Captain America. No, it's because I hate the character. Listen, he's great. Because you hate goody two shoes. Yes. You hate correct. You hate- like literally, Captain America, I would like drop something and he'd be like, You're littering, and I'd be like, Leave me alone. You're pain in my ass. Like he would piss you me off. You shouldn't litter though. I, no, but that's what I mean. It would be an accident. And then he would come after me and he'd be like, you're arrested. And I'd be like, no, like what? So like, you're like, soldier boy, come and help me. Yeah, he would not like, listen, I'm a villain girl. I, I don't vibe with the goody boys. So um, like Captain America was never for me. But well, that's what I'm saying. I saw Chris Evans in Knives Out, seeing Chris Evans in this. He is great when he is evil. He is hilarious. He is joking. He is like living, feeling himself. I'm like, yes, correct. More of this. He has an amazing mustache in this. He looks gay as hell, but also is like, I don't know, just everything about him, amazing. More of that. All right, y'all. Well, you know the drill. Like Princess said, you got to follow us, okay? So find the Geek Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And you should leave us a five-star review and also leave us a comment. I'm going to be asking people for comments pretty soon on other social medias. So yeah, yeah, you should leave us some nice comments because we would really appreciate it. And we could read some maybe. Like, you should do it. Okay? No pressure, but do it. Yeah. Do it or else. No pressure, but you have to. But anyway, the Geeks Podcast is hosted by me, Tessa Nutting. And me, Princess Weeks. You can find me on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, all of the internet places at Tessa Nutting. And I can't use TikTok, but you can find me on Instagram, on YouTube as Princess Weeks, and on Twitter as Weeks Princess. And next week... I finally get to use all my post-its for good. So many trees died for this. We are going to enter the Sandman. Yes. And speaking of adaptations, this is an interesting way that we're going to do this. So Princess is going into this having read the Sandman. I am going to go into this blind. So we're going to come at this from two different fan perspectives. One that knows, one that doesn't. See how both of us like it, how we respond to it, our favorite parts are... I am so excited. I can't wait. Anyway, this is a Netflix Geek and Spoke Media production. Our executive producers are Keisha TK Dutez, Brigham Mosley, Aaliyah Tavakolian, and Keith Reynolds. 
Kelly Kolf is our producer. Reyes Mendoza is our associate producer. And Delora Patton is our coordinating producer. Special thanks to Carson McCain. Sound design and engineering by Evan Arnett, who also composed and performed our original theme. To stay updated on all things geek, be sure to follow at Netflix Geek on Twitter, Instagram, and the TikTok. Thank you so much for listening. We love you. Bye. 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 Eat.